You know, there are times in our lives where we make, all of us, make colossal mistakes. We get caught up in the moment, we fall into temptation, and it leaves us feeling ashamed or um, lost. I mean, you feel completely lost, if you will. You feel overwhelmed. But I'm here this morning to tell you that people are not made up of one season of their lives. None of us are. No one is made up of one season of their lives. I find it absolutely fascinating that some people can cause so much pain and make so many poor choices, but then move through life without much self-reflection at all. I mean, I, I, you just watch them throughout their lives. You try to warn them, and they don't take your warning. And you, you try to challenge them, and they don't listen to your challenges. The Word of God speaks to them. And they, they just go on making poor choice after poor, cho- poor choice after poor choice. But they, there's no self-reflection there. They don't take a step back and say, what is it in me that causes me to make this choice or to behave this way or to act out in whatever? They just go through life hurting different people along the way and making poor choices and never really focusing and trying to self-reflect. And others make one decision or struggle in one season of their lives. This is kind of the other end of the spectrum. And allow that to determine their identity and their destiny. And I look at them and I, I mean, over, you've heard me over and over. You know, you can't let that, you know, here's the sun. You can't let anything revolve around. The only sun is this sun. And we go through that, but they allow one decision or one season of their lives to determine their identity as a person and their destiny, what God has called them to do. Listen, if we were to judge ourselves or if we were to be judged by the worst season of our lives, none of us would come out looking too good. None of us would fare too well. We'd all be in bad shape. But that's not, that's not how God works. In Acts chapter 3 and verse 19, it says this, Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. This morning, here's what we're going to do. I want to take apart Acts chapter 3, verse 19, so that God can put us back together. I'm going to take apart Acts 3.19 so that God can look at each one of us, wherever we are, and put us back together. Because that's what we need. We need our God to speak truth into our hearts. We need to understand what God's word says so that God can take us from where we are to where he wants us to be. I want to show you that there is freedom, that we can break free, that we can start over, no matter who you are and where you are in your spiritual walk. So in Acts chapter 3 and verse 19, it says that first word, repent, repent. And I know that you're not supposed to use words like that anymore, because if you read the books, you know, you have to use certain words, sin, repent, or whatever else. Well, I'm going I'm to go way off that track this morning, Okay. Repent, it says in Acts chapter 3, verse 19. First step, okay, first step in overcoming is to repent. God wants to use you. How is God going to use you? You need to repent. King David shows us in in his life, shows us what it means to repent. 
He's the perfect example of repentance when Nathan the prophet comes to him after he has committed adultery with Bathsheba. Nathan the prophet comes to him and tells him the story about the little lamb and the the poor guy who had one lamb. and, And then this rich guy had flocks of sheep and everything. And he took the poor guy's lamb. And David gets just so frustrated. And he's like off with his head. And and Nathan says to him, you are the man. See, that's what we need. That's what we need. We need to recognize. We need to repent. We need to understand that sometimes I am the man. Sometimes you are the woman. And David helps us understand once Nathan confronts him, he doesn't come with a million excuses. He comes before the Lord. And he says in Psalm 51, 1 through 12, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. And we're going to use this word, these words over and over. Blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know that my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be proved right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all of my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Repentance causes us to turn away from evil and turn to good. When we repent, we turn away from evil and we we turn to good. It means returning to God. It means being sorry for our sin, hating our sin, turning from it and stopping it. That's what repentance basically means. Three times in the book of Ezekiel, God tells his people to repent. Throughout the scriptures, God tells his people to repent. But in Ezekiel chapter uh, chapter 14 and verse 6, it says this, Repent, turn from your idols, and renounce all of your detestable practices. And then in 1830, it says, Repent, turn away from all your offenses. And then in chapter 33 and verse 11, it says, Turn, turn from your evil ways. God challenges his people to turn away from the evil that they're involved in, from their habits and all the things that cause them to walk away from him, cause them to lose uh, connection with him, if you will, and to turn back to him. Because there's a reason God loves us. And when we turn back to him, there is forgiveness. This sermon is should be really encouraging to you. Now, we're going to go on a ride this morning, but in the end, I hope that you are encouraged to know that through the book of Acts, Acts 19, 3.19, it's going to explain to us how we go from where we are to where God wants us to be so that God can use each one of us according to his will. 
In Isaiah 1, 16 and 17, it says, take your evil deeds out of my sight. Stop doing wrong. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Encourage the oppressed. Defend the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widows. Repentance in the Old Testament has the idea of regretting something. You're involved in something and you regret doing it. There is conviction in your life. And because the Holy Spirit of God convicts you, then you move from what you're doing to where God wants you to be in his presence through an act of of regret, an act of repentance, and God's act of forgiveness. The Bible says when you're guilty of various sins, that what you need to do is confess those in order to be free to receive his forgiveness. So when you recognize there's sin in your life, you ask God to forgive you and you find freedom in him. And David tells us that we need to confess it before God. I think sometimes it's important to confess to other people. If, they, if, you've wrong, if you have wronged someone, you want to go to that person and confess to them and, and make that right with them. There are times where you want to come to a pastor or a Bible study leader or your best friend, your accountability partner, and maybe open up and confess it because then there's accountability. That person can help you in your walk, ask you the right questions. But what David tells us, first and foremost, when you sin, you sin against God first. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. That's the first, that's the first stop. We go before God because God is the one who can truly cleanse us, who can blot out our transgressions, who can wipe away our sins. And so we go before God first and we allow God to work in our lives. Leviticus 5, 5 says, when anyone becomes aware that they are guilty in any of these matters, they must confess in what they have sinned, in the way they have sinned. In Leviticus 26, 40 through 42, it says that we need to confess, we need to confess our sins to God. And when we confess our sins to God, when we come before God, God will then restore that person. Restoration. This is where you've been. This is what you've done. You ask for forgiveness and God will restore that person into relationship, into the right relationship with him. And so that we continue to do, we can continue to do what God has designed and called us to do. Confession belongs to repentance and is needed for divine forgiveness. To confess your sin before God, to repent of your sin before God, so that you can receive, receive divine forgiveness. First John 1 9 says that we've, you've heard this before. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So if we confess to him, He will cleanse us. He will wipe away. He will blot out all of our transgressions. This is good news. We're all going to fall short. We're all going to make mistakes. We're all going to have seasons of our lives where we're like, how could I have possibly done that? How can I, how can I have felt this way or whatever? And God comes along and says, you need to repent. You need to give yourself unto me and I will blot out. I will wipe away. I will forgive, cleanse from all unrighteousness. In Isaiah chapter 59, verse 20, it says that God will fellowship with those who repent. God desires to fellowship, to be in relationship with those who repent. And then in Acts chapter 3 and verse 19, it continues. Turn to the Lord. Turn to the Lord. 
In Hosea chapter 14, verses 1 and 2, it says, Israel, return. He says, return, come back to the Lord your God. Sin has made you fall. Return to the Lord and say, please forgive our sins. That's what God is expecting of his people. That I, that you, when we fall short, when we, when we sin, when we fail, that we would go before God. He's calling us back. Whenever, like the prodigal son, he's always calling us back. What happens with us, though, is that we get ourselves in, into a situation and then somehow we believe the lies that, first off, that God's not actually seeing what we're doing. So we kind of cut him off and, and, and pretend somehow God's not engaged and seeing what we're engaged in or what we're doing. And then we stop praying to God because we feel like, oh, gosh, I'm at this point in my life. I'm this season of my life. I'm doing these things. I'm even choosing to do them. And somehow we cut him off in a, from a prayer standpoint, from connecting with him. We stop reading the word of God. So we don't want to feel so bad. And we just spiral down. We spiral down. And God is saying, no, stop what you're doing. The Holy Spirit's convicting you. Respond to that conviction, repent and be restored. Come back to me is what he's saying. Come back to me. I use this analogy all the time. I'm going to keep using this. Maybe you weren't here when I used it last. Okay, but we think sometimes like, you know, we, we walk away from God and we're walking away from God and we're walking away. And you think I've been gone from God so long. I'm so distant from God. And you finally you finally get your head back on straight. You turn around. He's right there. It's like he hasn't walked away from you. He hasn't left you. You've left him. And he's saying, turn around. I'm right here. Repent of your sin. Cleansed, wiped clean, blotted out. God will do all of those things. We're going to read more because it gets even better. In Acts 3, it tells us once we repent and turn to God, again, he wipes out. He wipes it out. Our sins are completely wiped out. There, there are no longer, listen, they are no longer held against us. Everything I'm telling you comes right out of the Bible, okay? Either I'm explaining what the scripture means or it's the scripture itself. So I need you to understand this truth. Once you repent, God wipes it out. It is no longer held against you. In Psalm 103 and verse 12, it basically says, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As far as the east is from the west, God chooses, hear me what I'm saying, these words, he chooses, you can't do this, you're not capable, but he is. He chooses to forget your sins. It's not like he, if you go to him and say, well, Lord, you know, yesterday and I, when he goes, yeah. And, and you say, well, remember yet? Yeah, no. Well, last week and blah, uh, do you remember that? No. Because you confess that sin. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. God chooses to forget. In, in, in Isaiah chapter 59 and verse 20, it tells us that God wants to connect with us. He wants to have that fellowship with those who will choose to repent. And then in Romans chapter 4 and verse 8, it says, listen to this. This is awesome. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord will never count against them. Right. We repent. And what does it say? Blessed is the one who sin the Lord will never count against them, will never count against them. I fall short. You fall short. We ask for forgiveness. And the Lord says, 
I am giving you blessing and your sin will never count against you. I have forgotten it. As far as the east is from the west, you confessed your sin. And now I am faithful and just and will forgive you your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness, even the things that you've forgotten to confess. If you're saying, Lord, I confess my sin and I don't remember them all. And he remembers them all and you are wiped clean. Now, I'm going to go back and maybe tuck your feet under your chair a little bit, okay? Because we need to talk talk about this. The problem is some people don't have the right view of their sin or their sinful nature. We live in a culture right now, in a Christian culture, that teaches us wrong. We do not understand our sin because we're not allowed to talk about it, number one, or our sinful nature because, you know, deep down... You're all just really good at heart. Me too. You know, when I, when I do horrible things, it's like, but deep down, deep down, deep down, I, you read your Bible, okay? I know what I am deep down. And that's a problem that we have. So we never receive God's offer of forgiveness. We never truly receive God's gifts that he wants to give to us. We never get truly free. We never truly, you know, chains are broken, right? Are they really? Are they really? Because we don't truly understand what the word of God says and we listen to the words of our culture telling us, telling us to go the other direction. We think, here's what we think, my sin's not so bad. It's not, it's not so bad. Um, or, you know what, here's, the, here's what, that's the 20th century, 21st century. It's not even really a sin at all. I'm going to use any, I'm going to drop the F-bomb anytime I feel like it. I'm going to, I'm going to be on staff at a church and drop the F-bomb and use all kinds of foul language. You know why I'm going to do that? Because you don't understand that we give those words their meaning. And, and you know, all the words have their meaning. And so they're really, the only value they have is the meaning we give them. So dropping the F-bomb, blah, 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 blah. Well, see, I, I read someone when I was a baby Christian that let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Only what is useful, building others up, that it may benefit those who listen. Yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but. My favorite alcohol, my favorite drink is this. Man, blah, blah, blah. And yeah, and I get, whoa, ho, ho, yeah, yeah. It's not really. Let's not get. Let's not be serious, guys. Let's not be judged. Let's not get carried away here. As long as you're in love with the person that you're sleeping with, and next week you're in love with someone, yeah, you know, let's not really get carried away because not really a sin at all. Uh, and that's what keeps us in spiritual bondage. And people wonder later on in their spiritual walk why they're so overwhelmed, why they're so burdened. Why they don't feel connected? I don't feel God. I don't feel that God is connected. If you don't think your sin's so bad, if you don't think that you really, let's just be honest, you don't even really kind of sin, then you can't have the right perspective of salvation. You cannot have the right perspective of repentance. You cannot have the right perspective of forgiveness. Honestly, let me tell you one of the big problems that we have. We don't understand our sin. We don't understand our sinful nature and the depravity of our sin. And we don't understand the concept of holiness. We throw it around. We sing about it, but we don't get it. You say, I'm a humble person. You cannot be humble unless you understand the holiness of God and who you are in relation to God's holiness. 
You don't understand. So you can't understand the depth of your own sin. So you can't say, have mercy on me, me, O God, like David. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Blot out my transgressions. Cleanse me from my sin. You cannot, you cannot, you cannot take that posture because you don't, because God's better than you. Because that's what holiness is, being a little better than you, but but he's just better than you and you're not so bad. You, want to, you know what whole humility means? Understanding who you are in relation to God. And if you, if you understand who you are in relation to God, it drives you to your needs in humility. It drives you to your face in humility. You're laying down before him because you recognize who you are in relation to God. But if you don't think that your sin's not so much, and you don't think it's even really a sin, and God's just a little better than you, then... Uh, See, my sin's not so bad. Let me tell you something. Here's a reality. Let me give you a reality here. If my sin is not so bad, then Jesus' death on the cross is not so necessary. It's not so significant. Let me tell you something. If, if my sin's not so bad, then his grace is not so amazing. Not so amazing. What's so amazing about his grace? I, I sometimes wonder when I listen to people talk who are followers of Jesus Christ, why Jesus even had to come and die in the first place? Because nothing we do is really that bad. So why, why did he waste his time? Because my sin's not so bad. His grace is not so great. It's not so amazing. What's so amazing about Jesus' grace? John Newton wrote the, the song... Amazing grace, right? We sing it, we get goosebumps. Amazing grace. What does it say? Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a what? A, wait, it saved a not half decent person, not too bad person like me. May, let's sing it together. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a pretty decent, good at heart person like me. I once was... Whatever, not too, totally lost, but you know, I didn't know where I did. I was confused. I once was confused, but now he set me straight. You know, whatever. You know, what I mean, John Newton was a wild sailor, wild. Okay, and then he decided to go from wild sailor to slave trader, and and hundreds, scores of people were killed during that process. Were killed at one point. Newton understood, he recognized his sin. He recognized his sin and he became a God, he became a pastor, a godly pastor. And as this man got older who wrote the sin that we all sing, saying we all recognize, as he got older, this is what he said late in his life. My memory is nearly gone, but I remember two things. I am a great sinner and Christ is a great savior. I am a great sinner and Christ is a great savior. I was talking to Pastor David, and I hope this analogy makes some sense to you, but I was talking to Pastor David, and we were getting into this conversation about how people look at their lives and, and why people aren't, like when you talk about Christ being your savior, he saved me, he's my savior. And I said to him, you know, I, I, when, I, when Christ saved me, I felt like it was right before I got saved. I felt like it was hanging on to a cliff and there was some, maybe some, some branches or some roots hanging. I was hanging on. You know how your hands, your fingers start to get really loose and you get overwhelmed. You don't think you can hang on any longer. I hated life. I hated it. Hated it. 
And I was thinking to myself, what is the point? And I was kind of hanging on at 17 years old, hanging on for dear life, if you will. And I finally just was like, to say this is a cliff and I'm hanging on and I feel like, no, forget it. I let go. And I feel like as I was going down a cliff, I knew it. He grabbed me by the arm as my hands let go and he pulled me up and he saved me. And what I feel like sometimes is people are acting like there's the cliff and they're back here and they're not so bad. And Jesus, they feel, it's like Jesus is saying, you know, don't go too close to the edge. Something bad might happen. And you're like, yeah, 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 I got it. It's good. Thanks, Lord. Yeah. You're, you're my, you, you saved me. Not so bad. And then when, and you wonder why when the storms of life come and the difficulties of life come and people face struggles and everything, it's like, or when, they, when it comes time to make a decision that I don't get to do what I feel like doing, well, we're not broken about why we choose to do those things, how we can do in the face of God, how we can say we're believers in Jesus Christ and just spit in his face and do whatever we feel like doing because in reality, it didn't really save me. Didn't, didn't really didn't really save me. We just think of John Newton and we think to ourselves, well, I'm glad I'm not as, was as bad as I never killed a bunch of slaves. I'm not as bad as him. Thank goodness. Thank goodness I'm not as bad as him. Instead of thinking of John Newton's story and learning what it means to understand what your sinful nature is, the depth of your sinful nature and how great his grace truly is, that I'm a great sinner and I have a great savior. Instead, we make comments like, well, we look at and say, my sin's not so, so bad. Instead of saying our sin is not so bad, we should, we should actually identify with another great hymn writer, Robert Robinson. And so many of you will know this hymn. In this hymn, he wrote, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. You know, I read this and I'm thinking to myself, these are the people that we look up to. These are the giants of the faith. Why is it that the spiritually mature giants of the faith write things like prone to wander, God, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Why do I do this? Paul said it. I don't want to do this and I do it. I want to do this and I don't do it. And I don't understand. You know, I try and I had these struggles and he struggles and he comes down to praise be to God for Jesus Christ, our Savior. He struggles. Why is it that those who are giants in the faith write songs like Amazing Grace or lose their families at sea and write songs like It Is Well? How do they do that? They do that because they recognize who they are in relation to a holy God. We need to realize the more we, we see our own sinfulness, the more brightly God's grace shines in our lives. I was, I was at um, Promise Keepers with my dad, and, um, and they asked a question at Promise Keepers 15, 20 years ago. And, and they asked, well, how close you, are you in relation to God? On a scale of one to ten, how close do you think you are to Jesus? And I'm just like, I, honestly, before God, I, I was just thinking to myself, Dude, I'm, I'm not even picking up a pencil. My dad wrote like six. Now, honestly, I, I understand. He, he, he was spiritually immature. He thought, well, you know, not so bad. I, I'm not Hitler. Right? 
I'm not Genghis Khan, you know, I mean, I'm not, you know, whatever. But I was, I was comparing myself to Jesus Christ. And what that does is it makes you write things like, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved the wretch like me. The, the, more, the closer we are to a holy God, the more we recognize our own sin. And that helps us. This is important. It helps us become the people that we were created to be. This is so important that we hold on to this. This attitude of playing down your sin is the reason the church, the faith is, that faith is so weak in the 21st century church. That's what it is. This, what we just talked about is one of the major reasons that faith, the faith of the people within the body of Christ is so weak in the 21st century. No one wants to speak truth. People people don't want to speak truth so other people stay in their own spiritual position. They stay where they are spiritually. If we are afraid to use, if we are afraid to talk about things that we're talking about this morning, then how are you supposed to grow spiritually? There are people who are dying inside because they are trapped in their own misery and they need to hear the truth that God's grace is amazing and that there is nothing that you can do if you repent that God will not forgive you of. But if we can't talk about repentance and we can't talk about sin and we can't talk about our sinful nature and we don't understand holiness and how are we going to set people free it's a perfect plan you're all fine you're all good you're all mediocre you're all luke not hear me i'm not picking on you i'm just generalizing enemies just saying you're all lukewarm just stay right that's fine lukewarm is just fine i mean my professor told me and i'm going to keep saying this over and over again he said, what you win people with, you remember this, when you go out and get a church and invest in kids' lives and invest in people's lives, what you win people with is what you win them to. I thought to myself, I could, have, I could have a monstrous youth group if I just had kegs there. Don't tell your parents, kids. Right? Man, that, what lemony people he has coming to that youth group. Yeah. What you win people with is what you win them to. If you win them with a weak, pathetic gospel, then you end up with weak, pathetic Christians. If you win people over with tickling their ears and saying all the right things and not wanting to offend anyone and make sure everyone feels, you should walk out. If you don't walk out of here feeling like on top of the world, then you've missed the point completely and we're not done. God's mercy is overwhelming. God's mercy is God's mercy triumphs over judgment. But how does that happen? It's when we repent, we repent and he takes our sin and he wipes it out. We are forgiven. We are completely forgiven. We are pardoned. The expression, I want to walk through this now. The expression wiped out or blot out our sins is also found in Isaiah chapter 43 and verse 25. And it says this. It says this, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. Did I make that up in the beginning? It says it right there. I will not remember your sins. That's what it means to blot something out. That's what it means to wipe something out. That's what it means to cleanse something. I am no longer, I will no longer remember your sins. The expression to blot out or to wipe out is taken from the practice of creditors who are charged their debtors. So I am the creditor. You are the debtor. And now you are in debt. You are in debt. 
But here's what happens when that debt, when that debt is forgiven, when that debt is paid, the debt has been paid. Our debt has been paid. And when that debt has been paid, it is then canceled. Here are these words. These are words that are, that are chosen for, for a specific reason. That debt has been paid. So the debt is canceled. It is, this is what the word of God is saying to us. It is totally removed from the record. You are no longer under the burden of that debt. It has been canceled. It has been removed from the record. Jesus Christ paid the debt for our sin. So when we repent, we are forgiven. God forgets as far as the east is from the west. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just. It will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Blot them out. Wipe them out. They are gone. Listen to this. This is important. All right. The word used here in Acts refers to the practice of writing on tablets of wax. I want you to put that picture up. So what you would do, what they would do, if they would write on tablets of wax, so they have the wood and you get a tablet and it's wax. And they, so let's just say that is, that is your life. That is your season where you fell short. That one, that season of your life where you fell short or that sin that you're still holding on to. It's written right down there. Okay. So boop, you're in bad shape. But if you, this is what it's, this is what Acts is saying. If you then, play the, show the next picture. If you then would confess and repent of that sin. You see the, the, the sharp part is where the sin is written down, right? On the back side, there is a stylus. And what they did was come along. They would heat that wax up to 122 degrees. And they would take the back end of that. And they would wipe the slate clean. They would wipe it clean. They would smooth over. And now the wax was completely smooth. The wax with all, everything that was once written, everything that was once held against you has been wiped clean. Listen, listen to me. They smooth the wax over again. And here I'm saying every trace of the old record is gone. Every trace, it was heated it was smooth, and every trace of that old record is now gone. That is the truth. Anything else that you think for yourself, the ideas you get, or the, what's being poured into your heart, and what you're holding on to, is a lie from the pit of hell. That is the truth. God has forgiven. It's the concept, where, you know, we get the concept of wiping the slate clean, right? The slate has been wiped clean. The wax is now smooth and you get a do over. God has forgotten. God has forgiven. God has wiped clean. God has blotted out what was once written down. It no longer exists. The record against you, the charge against you, every trace of your past is gone. It is gone. It is wiped clean. This is the way. This is the way God forgives our sins. See, we, we, we project our own personalities or our own traits onto God sometimes, and we're wrong. If someone does something wrong to us, we can say, I, I forgive you. Yeah, we're forg- it's forgiven. You know, man, just don't let it happen again. <laughs> something happens again, you, what do you do? What do you do? You bring up what happened the first time, right? 
You bring it up. You bring it out. You hold the grudge. You, you keep it. You keep it kind of tucked in your back pocket. Love keeps no record of wrongs except in my back pocket when you do something else that I need to bring up and show you what you did. So that we, and so we project that on God that somehow we did something so awful and now God is mad at us. And God still wants to get us. That is complete and utter lies. There's nothing. I just told you the truth. I didn't make any of this up. I'm reading it to you. Gone. He doesn't have your, well, you're forgiven, but don't you? One more, one more, you know. That's not God. That's not God. The, 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 the wax is now smooth. It's smooth. Acts 3 continues that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. The word refreshing here, it means getting a chance to catch your breath. You get a chance to catch your breath or receive some type of refreshment after a hard day's labor or a hard day's work or after a hard time of exercise, you get refreshed. However that looks, maybe it's a drink of cold water, maybe it's, maybe it's a shower, whatever it means for you, that, that, is complete, that, uh, that God refreshes us. It's also, it also means the relief that comes when God rescues you from some type of evil, something you're engaged in, some type of behavior, some common addiction, and God rescues you from that kind of evil. So Acts 3.19 gives us a clear path to freedom. We, you are not trapped in your sin. You are not trapped in your mistakes. You are not trapped in your past. That's what I'm trying to tell you. And there's a reason I'm telling you this. This is so important. You are not trapped in your past. You're not trapped in your sin. You're not trapped in your mistakes. And you are not you. Listen to me. You are not the sum total of one season of your life, one choice in your life, one mistake in your life, one sin in your life. You're not the sum total. I don't even care if it wasn't one season. I don't care if you had season after season after season. The thief on the cross hanging right next to Jesus repented at the very end. And Jesus said, today you'll be with me in sad paradise. You know why? Because amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saves a wretch like me saved a wretch like me that is why that is why it doesn't matter that's how amazing his grace is listen if we want to accomplish everything that god has for us in this church we need as a church for everyone to step up every single one of us needs to step up some of you won't take on any leadership any longer because of something that happened in your past. You won't take on any kind of leadership role because, listen to me, you are stuck in a time warp. Something happened 5 or 10 or 20 or 30 years ago or last week, and you're stuck in this time warp, so you will not take on any type of leadership within the church at all because you're stuck in your thought process that I'm no longer worthy, I'm no longer whatever, I'm no longer qualified. And in some cases, for some areas of service, maybe you're not, but that doesn't mean for every area of service. God still wants to use you. He still wants to use me. We need to live for him. Your choices, listen to me, your choices have not limited you. Your choices may have limited you, hear me out, from some areas of ministry, that just comes with consequences. 
but you are not limited from all areas of ministry when it comes to leadership. The wax has been smoothed over and God wants to write a new chapter in your life. You hear me? Okay, you may have been disqualified from this area of ministry, but the wax has now been smoothed over and now he wants to write a new chapter in your life. Where else can you be engaged? Where else can God use you? Can you be on a prayer team? Can you be engaged in some area of men's ministry where God can use the gifts and talents and abilities that he has given to you? A few weeks ago, I said, today is the day we draw a line in the sand. The day is a day we move forward. Well, today is another day where we draw a line in the stand, where we step up, where we step out and begin to live our lives once again for God. This is a new season of your life. The old has gone. The new has come. Second Corinthians 517. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. He is a new creation. And the cool thing, the amazing thing about Christianity is that happens every day. Every time I confess the slate, every morning the slate is wiped clean. The wax is now smooth and God can continue to write a new letter in my life, a new chapter in my life. To accomplish the goals that God has for us as a church We need to believe God. Listen, we, all of us, you need to believe God's word. Stop believing your feelings and stop believing the lies of the enemy. You need to believe God's truth. I I sat through and I, I, I went through and explained to you God's truth. You need to stop believing the lies the enemy is telling you. You need to stop believing your own feelings and you start, you need to start believing God's word. You need to lead a life group. You need to lead a Bible study. You need to begin to disciple other people. Listen to me. I don't have, I don't have experiences that you all may have. You may have fallen short in some area of your life, but you've repented of that. And now you've been forgiven. And now the slate has been wiped clean. And someone comes to me and says, I'm struggling with pornography. I'm struggling with addiction. I'm struggling with that or this. And I don't, I, I may not be able to relate. I don't, I may not be able to understand why they're feeling the way they're feeling or what the, what the struggles are because maybe I haven't gone through that in my life. And I can come to you and say, can you sit down with this person and help them? Because you can empathize, not just sympathize with them. You understand the road that you have taken and what it took you to get from where you were to where you are. But no, 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 no. You can't do that because somewhere in your past, you've fallen short. So you've taken yourself out of the game. And I think it's ridiculous. I can only do so much. I don't have every experience. I'm not a woman, so all of those things that maybe you experience as a woman, the things you struggle with, I don't totally understand. But you as a woman fell short sometime 15 years ago, or maybe you went through something you feel embarrassed about or whatever else, so you can never now engage someone in the body and be a leader and help them walk through that. That's just not right. That's not right. So you made a mistake and the enemy's taken you out of the game. That's just great. You come to church because you're supposed to. But you're, you know, you're no longer, you can't, because you don't want it. Or maybe you're just, you're ashamed or whatever. I understand, I totally understand it. But he has sidelined you. He's completely sidelined you. You're going to heaven, but he's made you worthless here. He's taken you, you sit on the bench and you're not in the game because he's pretty much done his job. 
my friends, we, that cannot, that cannot happen. We will never, we will never be allowed to fulfill what God has called us to fulfill. We will never step up and do the things that God has called us to do if we are dwelling on our past sins and our past failures. That cannot be the last chapter of your life. That's a sin. That's a sin. Some of you, I mean, I I know we're a little long, but I'm almost done. Some of you have asked God to forgive you. And I don't mean to be mean here, but I'm just going to say this. Some of you have asked God to forgive you. And God, you've repented of your sin. And God has forgiven you. And you know God's forgiven you, but you haven't forgiven yourself. And there lies the issue. You haven't forgiven yourself. Now, I'd love to, I can tell you all kinds of, I'll sit down with you in my office and we'll talk that through. But let me just, let me just lay something at your feet here for a second. If you have repented and God has forgiven you, and I just shared with you everything that I have shared with you, the truth of God's word, and you haven't forgiven yourself, and that's why you're sitting where you are, here's what you're doing. You are calling God a liar. You're calling God a liar. Everything we just learned. But you're saying, well, I haven't forgiven myself, so therefore I take myself out of the game. I can't, I can't, I can't. And so you're holding, you're still holding on to your sin. And what you're doing, if we just get right down to it, is you're calling God a liar. So just seriously, stop playing and just say it to his face. You're, you're just, God, you're a bull-faced liar. I'm going to stay right where I am in my seat. I'm not going to move. I chose not to forgive myself because hmm, my sin's just too great. My sin is too much for you, God. You puny God, you. Just say it. I have people asking me all the time to find someone for them to help them and mentor them and disciple them and walk them through challenges in their life. And I, I do. I don't understand. I've never cut. Okay, I've never had bulimia. I've never had whatever. I've never struggled with this or I've never done that. So I can only read something and try to share what I've read. But that does not get to the heart and the depth of where a person's suffering when they go through those things. Well, you've taken yourself out of the game. So, you know, just sit here. Don't worry about it. Even though I don't under, totally understand it. I just, you know, it's okay. They'll be fine. They'll be fine. It's time to step out of the shadows of guilt and step back into the light. Let me tell you something. It's time to step out of the shadows of guilt and back into the light and back into the fight. Okay? There are wolves out there tearing people apart. Get the heck out of your seat and get back in the fight. Get back in the fight. You are not the sum total of one season or one mistake in your life. And if you believe that, you're believing lies from the pit of hell and you're calling God a liar. Get out of your, se- get out of your se- seat and get back into the light. Get back into the fight. I'm going to close with this one verse. It says in Romans 8, 1 and 2, it reminds us all. Therefore, listen to me, there is no, okay, I'm not, you don't get around this. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit that gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. Satan condemns. The Holy Spirit convicts. When the Holy Spirit convicts me, I ask for forgiveness. I repent. God forgives me. I move on. I let my hear me feelings catch up to the truth. Satan makes you feel condemned 
you, you crawl up in a ball, you hide from the spiritual world and from the world, and you are completely taken out of the game. I love you. I, I, you know I love you. Cut it out. Enough. Enough. God told me to preach this sermon a month and a half ago. I have no idea why, who I'm talking to, but God is saying to you, specifically to you, stop it. Enough is enough. Get back in the light. Get back in the fight. I am God. I choose to forgive, and I can use you, and you need to be used. Your story is not over. The wax is smooth, and I'm going to write a new chapter in your life. Let's pray. God, thank you for this time we can spend together. God, thank you for the opportunity to come before you and be humble before you. I pray, dear God, that you would speak into each of our hearts and our lives wherever we need to hear it. Father, some of us are walking through life and we are just not self-reflecting. We hurt and we, we cause pain and we, cause, we just walk right through and there's no concern whatsoever. Convict us, Lord, of our sin and the depravity of our own hearts. Bring us back to you in whatever way you see fit. Father, for some who have not forgiven themselves, I know I was a little harsh, Lord, but help them to see the reality of who you are. Help them to break free from the lies that have put them in a place where they believe that they, are no longer, they no longer can be used by you. God, there are some here who don't know you and need to repent, and I just pray, dear God, they would ask you to come into their hearts, that you would, they would ask you to come into their lives and be the Savior and Lord of their lives, that they would now allow you to be director of their lives, Lord God. There's no special words they have to say. They just need to say, I want you as my Savior. Please come into my life, and your Holy Spirit will fill them. And God, if there's anyone here this morning that needs to do that, I pray they would do it right now. Just say to themselves, God, I need you. I need you. I want you in my life. I want Jesus Christ to be the Lord and Savior of my life. And Lord, they would do that right now. We love you. We praise you, Lord God. I know this was tough to hear, but God, we can't, we can't move forward spiritually if we're just going to be sissies about our faith. Help us to stand as men and women of God Regardless of what Satan has done in and through us sometimes, Lord God, help us to, use, to be used by you. You, have an, you are an amazing God and amazing grace, Lord, challenges us to get on our feet and to start living for you once again. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.